0: Major Gift Fundraising, How to Prepare for the Meeting. Hi, I'm Bill Stanjakevich. This is the first day from the Fundraising School, and I'm joined today by my colleague, Jerry Pat Gabber. Jerry Pat is a leading executive at Indiana University's campus in the Northwest region of Indiana, and she also ably serves as a member of the faculty of the Fundraising School. And Jerry Pat, so great to have you with us on the Fundraising School's first day podcast.
1: Thank you. I know
0: you, you do a lot of major gift fundraising. And of course, there are so many stages. We teach that eight-step cycle in major gift fundraising uh, at the fundraising school. And of course, we've identified a potential prospect. We've qualified that potential prospect. And now we need to design the cultivation strategy, including preparing for the meeting. What advice do you have for fundraising?
1: Yes, you know, in working directly with donors, and this really could apply, you know, for any meeting, any contact that you have for a donor, I think that we always need to think about being strategic, being intentional, and being thoughtful. And I've always said, have a plan, write it down, practice. And I've got one other that I'm going to add to that. So let me talk a little bit more specifically about those steps. So as we think about having a plan, why? Why do we have a plan? I think so often the principles of the work that we do are really those foundational principles of fundraising. And as you mentioned, that important eight step major gift cycle. So how do we transition donors from you know, identification to qualification and qualification to cultivation and so on? Oftentimes the phraseology that we might use, especially in higher education is the moves management. What does that moves management look like? So. What is the purpose of our conversation what are our desired outcomes so what is our plan really going into that visit i've, I've heard from colleagues and they'll say well i'm going to go have coffee with them but no what are the desired outcomes what are you really hoping to accomplish through having coffee with them so having that plan i think is really critical and i even will, i'm going to take it a step further and say write that plan down why how many of us go to the grocery and have a list or how many of us, the first thing we do in the morning is we write down our to do's. Why do we do that? We do that. So that we remember, we remember what we're going to do. So often we we do that in hopes of what gets written down gets accomplished. And that's the same thing through our donor visits that, that pre-planning and being intentional Um, I think is really critical as we, as we talk to our donors, be, be considerate about their time and yours. So writing that down and really thinking about, is this what I want to accomplish first in the conversation? Is this what I want to accomplish second in the conversation? And then I'm going to even take that a step further and say, practice that plan, practice what you want to say. Think about it. You know, great athletes, what do they do? They practice. Artists, you know, those in theater, what do they do? They rehearse. So I'm not saying don't have a canned response, not necessarily, but practice. Practice saying the words. What, what phrases do you want to say? And that can become really critical in a solicitation visit, for example, because our organizations may use different language around how we talk about the solicitation. So let's practice what that looks like. Maybe ask a colleague or a friend to sit with you and say, this is what I'm thinking about saying to X donor. What do, what do I sound like? What does that, does that appeal to you? The other piece about practicing is the old nonverbals. When I do it, do I have my arms crossed? Do I use my hands too much as you see me doing now? So really practicing and, and getting that feedback. And then the other key piece um, that I've added more recently is to anticipate. And why is that so important? Um, right, is, if I say, you know, X, is the donor gonna come back with a question? Anticipate those donor responses and donor questions. If the donor um, says, I'm not interested in that project, how are you gonna respond to that? If you're in a solicitation visit and they say to you, um, wow, that's that's a significant amount of money, um, what's your response gonna be back to that? And so really anticipating through the conversation, what would the donor's response to me be? And how can I be ready? Now, I get it. We've all been shocked <laughs> by things that donors, our prospective donors may say back to us, but I think that preparing a little bit and thinking about what they may, their response may be or questions they may have based on our good relationship building skills I think that can just get us to feel a little bit more comfortable and be more prepared for our visits because let's face it, sometimes we're nervous going into these visits. And so really um, being prepared for those visits and practicing, I think can kind of ease that a little bit and make us feel more comfortable and the donor sense our comfort level as well and continuing that relationship.
0: That is great advice, Jerry, Pat. And we think about, you know, the four aspects you talked about being strategic on how to be intentional. We practice that and then we anticipate Let's take it back at that strategic level. Where am I getting all this information? Because as a fundraiser, I could have 100 to 150 individual donors or prospective donors, and nobody has a memory that strong. So how am I kind of gathering and synthesizing the information that goes into that four-step process that you provided?
1: Yeah, that's great. I mean, a we're relationships, right? So built built off of previous conversations. Specifically, if we're deeper into that eight-step major gift cycle, that's really important. The other piece is documenting documenting our visits. Um, you're right. We have a hundred prospects within our portfolio. We have multiple conversations beyond that, uh, in, in internal and external, and so really documenting those conversations. As part of all of the the documentation that I do, I always have a piece that says what my next steps are. And so in that moment when I'm documenting it, it's a little more fresh if I'm documenting it right after the visit, I can truly identify what those next steps are and what I'm thinking about coming off of that visit.
0: Jared, Pat, I would think for somebody perhaps new to fundraising or for encouraging non-fundraising staff members to be involved in this process, and of course our board members, A lot of them who are hesitant to fundraise might say, it just seems kind of random to me. And and what I'm seeing in this is that with this intentionality, we can have a comfort level in talking with the donor. Can you speak more about that, please?
1: Yeah, I'm really glad that you brought that up because often it's not just an individual meeting with the the prospective donor or donors. We often are, are visiting or having contact in teams. And so I always encourage others to be the architects of those visits. As the advancement or development professional, how can we architect those visits? Others that um, aren't in this every day, they often don't and are not aware. So I would use this plan, have a plan, write it down and practice, anticipate with that person that would be visiting with you. Do a briefing document, start to outline who's gonna open the visit, who's gonna close the visit, who's gonna follow up on next steps. And even more important, if you're in a solicitation visit, after those solicitation details are discussed, others may not know that, you know, there's a secret there, right? And that's to not say anything, let your donor be the first to respond to those solicitation details. And not everybody's comfortable with silence. And so we really have to prepare um, others to be a part of those visits. And I would even take that a step further to say, what do I wear? Um, not everybody knows if you're going to someone's home in Florida, maybe you dress down a little bit. If you're going to a business in Chicago and you're actually in person, what does that look like? So even down to what you wear, what if somebody arrives to the visit at a restaurant first, or they get on the zoom call first, do they go ahead and engage the donor in conversation or do you wait? You know, just really being thoughtful um, and intentional kind of about that donor experience I think can be really critical and and lead towards that success. So be the architect of those visits. I think is key here.
0: I love that. Be the architect uh, as you do this planning and this preparation for the meeting with the donor or the prospective donor. Jerry, Pat, this preparation is is so necessary where it could lead astray perhaps is if then the fundraiser says, okay, I did just like Jerry, Pat said, I strategized (laughs) how to be intentional. I practiced. I'm I'm anticipating, you know, different questions and comebacks. And then they meet with the donor and it's kind of like backing up the dump truck with the beep, beep, beep sound <laughs> and, you know, just kind of pour everything down on the donor. How important is it to engage the donor in a conversation, a dialogue, instead of the fundraiser just making a presentation like a monologue?
1: Yes, listening is key. Um, listening is absolutely key. So as part of that visit preparedness, you need to have your plan for how are you going to engage the donor or donors in the conversation? If you have someone that's visiting with you or the donor has someone that's with them or multiple people, how are you engaging everyone in the conversation? And what is your plan for that? So as you're building these plans and you're being strategic, what and how are you going to engage in conversation? Um, I really feel strongly that listening is a key part. So I'm, I'm constantly thinking about what questions can I ask to get the information that I, that I need? And how can I talk about the mission of the organization with them rather than at them?
0: For those of us who are fully able, two eyes, two ears, one mouth, we should be observing and listening to the donor 80% of the time, really engaging them in that conversation. And Jared, Pat, last uh, question for you is the importance of being adaptable in these meetings. Again, we have our plan. Uh, We've anticipated some possible questions or concerns that the donor might have, but there's kind of that old saying that the plan is as good until the moment of implementation because then things happen that we don't expect or did not anticipate. How important is adaptability in fundraising during these meetings?
1: It's critical. I mean, I, again, I think that this can get us so far having the plan and, and help us navigate that and being anticipatory that things may go awry in the conversation or they may lead us down a different path than we, than we were even um, thinking about or prepared for. And so being adaptable, being ready for those pivot points, I think can be can be critical. But I do really feel like that these steps can help you get that much further as part of those conversations. Uh, rather than just kind of walking in and just winging it Um, so but being versatile in our communication style not only in our the flexibility of our plans can be really key there
0: jerry pat gabbert is the vice chancellor of external relations for indiana university northwest where she is also a successful major gift fundraiser and as you've seen and heard today has a wonderful gift of translating research based evidence-based practices combined with her own experiences to help all of us understand How to Successfully Pursue Major Gifts from Our Donors. Uh, And the Major Gifts course is part of our Certificate in Fundraising Management. You take the Principles and Techniques course, and then there are four others. Major Gifts, Planned Giving, Comprehensive Campaigns, and Annual Sustainability. Take three of those other four plus principles, and you earn the CFRM, which is just one of four certificates that we offer as part of our public course offerings, which are online, both recorded and live, and becoming more present in person across the United States. We also have our custom training that we can bring directly to your nonprofit, either one of those public courses or a course that we can tailor make specifically just for you or your nonprofit association or your region, your county and so forth in the United States and across the world. We have our quarterly webinars and of course these free weekly podcasts and all the information is available on our website at philanthropy.iupui.edu forward slash The Fundraising School. Thanks again to our guest, Jerry Pat Gabbard. Our producers are Mike Anthony and Jennifer Boffman. I'm Bill Stanjakovic, and now you are now more fully informed on this first day from The Fundraising School.